Thanks, Pastor Bill. Uh, yeah, it is really fun to be together with all of you. Um, ben, Kim, and I started out the day at nine o'clock with all the kids of the church. And uh, yeah, so now we're on to adults. <laughs> Anyways, it's really good to gather. And as Pastor Danny prayed, it's just uh, we're so grateful for technology. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us as we did this journey through the second letter we have that Peter wrote. And we've been exploring a community of God's grace together. If you think back, and if you haven't listened to them all, I encourage you to go back and do that. Uh, Pastor Hojan started us off by looking at the past, present, and future that Peter teaches us about. Pastor Bill brought us insight into this letter of being, this is Peter's last will and testament, as he knew he was about to be martyred. And last week, Pastor Danny really challenged us with chapter 2, in this letter, and he brought Peter's, Peter's teaching about a false teachers that are in our lives today and what and who influences us when it really should be God's word. So today we're entering into chapter three, the end of the second letter, and we're going to continue to learn from Peter about being a community of God's grace. And we're going to hear from Peter today about waiting together. Think of all the things we wait for. In December, we wait for Christmas to arrive. Many of us are excited and wait for our birthdays or other celebrations. And there was a man back in the 1700s, 1782, he was born right here in Massachusetts. And he was waiting for Jesus' return. And he was so excited. And he worked out a prediction of when Jesus was going to return. He first said it was March 21st in 1843. Uh, that didn't happen. Then he said it was March 21st in 1844. And that happened, didn't happen. And then finally, his last prediction was October 22nd of 1844. And that day for all his followers was called the great disappointment because obviously Jesus didn't come back at that time, that date he was hoping for. So those are categories of waiting that have a defined end time. There are other times that we don't really know what this end time is. Like, when am I going to find that new job? And think about even this week, we were all waiting to know when was the snow going to start? When was the snow going to end? And we all, all just waited to see what was going to happen. That timing is not precise. And of course, what are we all waiting for? When will this pandemic be over? But right now, you're probably waiting for me to get to the point of all this waiting talk. Well, it is what Peter addresses at the beginning of chapter three. And we will see that he talks about those who don't believe in what we believe we are waiting for. And then the rest of the chapter, I believe Peter is telling us how to wait together for this event to happen. So as we head into scripture, we need to pray. We need to pray that we'll be shown the truth and our hearts will be changed. So Heavenly Father, as Pastor Bill prayed a moment ago, we do pray that um, your scripture comes alive, it teaches us, it changes us. Holy Spirit, speak to each heart here and uh, just be evident to them and what we need to all learn about ourselves in light of your word. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Pastor Danny did last week, I'm going to read the whole chapter 
so that if you have been with us for these, these four weeks, you have now read the whole second letter of Peter. Congratulations. Um, it's not a very big letter. So if you missed a week, I encourage you to catch up. So uh, we have no slides today because everything is different. And that's fun. I, I'm good with different. But I encourage you to grab either a Bible like this or open your Bible app um, and keep it open because I'm going to refer back to a lot of uh, verses in here to what Peter teaches us. So this is 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By those waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by the fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do in other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace 
and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter's once again warning the readers, that's us, about a group of people that will attempt to distract us from the truth of Jesus Christ. Last week in chapter two, it was the false prophets and false teachers. And this week, it is those who do not believe Jesus was really going to return and mocked the whole idea. You can just hear the sarcasm in that line, isn't it? When is the coming he promised? We are being warned that we will hear these voices and we should not be drawn away from the truth because of them. So let me just clarify in case you are confused about what scripture says about Jesus coming back. Jesus himself told his disciples in his beautiful last discourse with them um, recorded in John. And in John 14, one to three, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And after Jesus was resurrected, and then he ascended up to heaven, and as his disciples were watching, it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, they, that would be his disciples, were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. So Jesus is coming back. We have confidence in that. What we don't know is when. And we will never know when until it actually happens. Jesus told lots of parables. I'm not going to get into them, but he told lots of parables about his return. And in both Matthew and Mark, it is recorded that Jesus ended all of these parables by saying, but about the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. You know, we are so human that we track time by the year, by the month, by the week, by the day, by the hour, by the second, by the millisecond, by the microseconds, and even more. But God is beyond the limitations of time. We need to keep remembering that. Peter tells us in verse 8 to 9 that we read that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. He seems to draw from Psalm 90, where it says a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. So Peter is reminding us that we know Jesus is returning. We don't know when, but our God is full of such grace that he wants more and more people to come to Christ as we're waiting. It's an open-ended wait. 
And it's hard for us as humans. We like knowing exactly when things are going to happen. You know, there are still humans on this earth that need to know. And kind of the most recent famous one um, who tried to figure all this out is a man named Harold Camping. Born in 1921, died in 2013. And uh, he's listed as a radio personality and evangelist. But really, he's most well known for spending years going through scripture and looking at anything that talks about Christ's return. And he thought he had it figured out. He said September 6th, 1994. And then he changed it to September 29th and then October 2nd. In 2005, he said, oh, I've got it. Now I've got the date. Everyone get ready. May 21st, 2011. And then uh, when that day went by, he changed it to October 21st. Now, you may say, well, if people want to spend their time and do that, what's the big deal? Well, a couple of things. One is that uh, for just one example, there is this man who was a retired, retired worker from New York. He spent $140,000 of his savings paying for billboards that advertise this date. There are so many other things you could have done with that money that would really glorify what God calls us to do. And so, you know, there's harm done when we try and find a date that Jesus very clearly said we cannot know. And Camping himself admitted in an interview in 2012, he said he no longer believed that anyone could know the time of the rapture or the end of the world. And he stated he finally understood that his attempt to find this date was sinful. He added that he's now searching the Bible even more fervently, not to find dates, but to be more faithful in his understanding of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is coming back. We will never know when until he arrives. So let's not, let's not focus on that, Peter is warning us. But is the wait for Jesus' return worth it? You know, there's a lot of words in what I read to you that were about destruction, weren't they? And they kind of go, well, I don't want this to happen because that destruction just seems mind-boggling. But what are we really waiting for as believers? Verse 13 says, Peter writes, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. John wrote the last book of the Bible, his revelation. And if you've ever read it, there are wild things that happen there also. But here is the promise I believe Peter is referring to in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain 
for the old order of things have passed away. That weight is worth it. Despite everything we see in the world around us, the God who created the world is still in control and he wins. Revelation tells us that. So the question from all of this is how then should we live? In this in-between time, waiting for an unknown amount of time for Jesus to return? How? What are we to do? Peter helps us out with that in this chapter, I believe, in three different ways. Each of these are sermon in themselves. Um, but we don't have enough time. We want to go out and play in the snow. So please, if you want to talk about any of these more deeply, reach out to myself, to any of the pastors, to other Christian brothers and sisters, because there's so much here. Um, okay, so the first one I think he reminds us is keep focused. Don't get caught up with the scoffers and the doubters. Don't get caught up by the false teachers that Pastor Danny preached on last week. Don't get impatient. Remember that the grace God is showing by not rushing Jesus' return allows more and more people to find Jesus Christ. In verse 17, Peter writes, Since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away for the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Be steadfast. Be focused on the truth of Jesus Christ and his salvation. So that's number one. The second thing I think Peter tells us is to keep living. There are people in history that uh, when they got focused on Jesus returning, they would sit on the hilltop thinking, this is the day, I'll just sit here. No, keep living. He tells us in a few verses how to do this. In verse 11, live holy and godly lives. In verse 14, be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him, him being Jesus Christ. At the very beginning of his first letter, Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, focused, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We are called to live lives that become more and more aligned with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul provides a list. We're switching, switching apostles here for a second. Paul provides a list of what I think this living looks like. Um, and again, this is one topic that can be a whole sermon series in itself. But just listen to what Paul says. He calls it the fruit of the spirit from his letter to the Galatians. We are called to live holy lives and the fruit of the spirit. If we're living these holy, godly, spotless, blameless lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These nine should be the characteristics people see in us as we're living our lives. When we know Jesus will return and we keep focused on that, 
and we desire to be more godlike, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control should be who we are. Paul also writes in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as part of our holy living, I think Peter seems to give one more other part of what this holy living looks like. In verse 12, he says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Some translations say we wait eagerly for that day of God to come. And we do. We do. We understand the patience God has. So more and more people can come to Christ, but we eagerly await it. Now, I want you to think about when you are eagerly waiting for something, really looking forward to it. What do we do? We want to share what that day is going to be with others. Think of an engaged couple, right? They tell everyone they're getting married. They invite all kinds of people to the celebration. That should be us. As we are keeping living now, we should be excited to share the good news of Jesus' return with others. We all know people who need to know Jesus Christ. And God is patiently waiting for us to do that. Share the good news. Keep living to transform our own lives and the lives of others. The third thing I believe Peter is telling us to do while we are all waiting together is to keep growing. I mean, verse 18 says that grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Henry Nouwen, who I adore his writing. I've got a bunch of his books right back there. If you ever want to borrow one. He has this great quote. It says, waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him for who we are waiting. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him for who we are waiting. And in this waiting time for Jesus' return, we need to learn more about who Jesus is. Now, there are many ways we can grow in our understanding of God's grace and who Jesus is. Two of them, and this is only two, are through scripture and through teachings of other people. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So spend time in God's word to learn about him. I encourage you to do this in two different ways. One is to read it slowly yourself, alone, and allow God to speak to you through it. I also encourage you to read it and study it with others, uh, to discuss it, debate it, discern, and grow together as we wait together. And as we read the scriptures, we need to have a perspective of what it teaches us, not what it teaches us about how to get after other people. 
Scott Sauls, who's a pastor and author, says it really well. He says, if reading the Bible causes me to scrutinize others more than I scrutinize myself, then I am not reading the Bible correctly. Scripture is there to teach us. So along with scripture, also, we can learn more about God's grace and who Jesus is through different teachings. Paul writes in Ephesians that when he talks about pastors and, and teachers and preachers, he says they are there to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we are here uh, to hear and listen to teachings, to build each other up as a community of grace. We are striving for unity in this waiting time. And I, I, I do like these verses because it talks, gives us a glimpse of our life, I think, after our waiting for Christ is done. See, it talks about becoming mature. And I truly believe we are never a mature Christian while and until we see Christ. We are maturing, but we are never there. And that's why we need to keep living. That's why we need to keep growing. We're on a journey of maturing to our faith. All together, aren't we? Now, the teachings can be in person. They can be podcasts. They can be books you read. Always look at the source, right? Think back to what Pastor Danny taught us from chapter two. There are a lot of false teachers out there and anyone can make a podcast. So make sure you know your source. If you have any questions about it, ask somebody, what do you think of this person's teachings? So we're waiting. It's a song that came out in 2007. I know it's a long time ago, but it, uh, it's been going through my head this week as I've been working through this scripture. And here are some of the lines for it. It's by John Waller. Um, I will move ahead, bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll be running the race even while I wait. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I am peaceful. I am waiting. On you, Lord. Though it's not easy, but faithfully I wait. So, from Peter, Jesus is coming back. Be confident in that, my brothers and sisters. We don't know when, and we praise God's grace and patience for this being His timing and us not knowing. While we wait together, we don't just sit, we keep focused on the truth of Jesus Christ. We keep living holy, godly lives, sharing that truth. And we keep growing in our understanding of who Jesus is. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes we can get overwhelmed thinking, why don't you just come back now? The world is a mess. The news is not good. And yet, Father, you remind us that no one knows the timing other than you. And you are patiently inviting people to come to you, to know Jesus Christ, 
in this waiting. So let us keep focused on that. And as we wait, Father, I just pray that you keep guiding how we live our lives. Help us keep focused on the truth, not being distracted by, by things of this earth that uh, Satan is using to distract us. Help us keep striving on living a life that is holy, that is Christ-like, full of the fruit of the Spirit, and full of Jesus' truth to draw more and more people to you. And help us keep growing. We have so much to learn. We will never learn it all on this side of heaven. So help us keep growing. Spending time in scripture with you. Spending time with scripture with each other. And spending time learning. Learning of who you are. And Jesus, who you are. And how your presence changes everything. Help us to remember to say to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.